Good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, if you are new, my name is Keith Robertson. I'm the pastor here. We love having new people jump on with us on this journey. We are starting a new series. Uh, we're doing, going for the next four weeks, outlining some some deeply seated things that God's put in our heart to be as a church. So some vision for our church as we move ahead. How many of you are familiar with the movie from the year 2000 called The Perfect Storm? The Perfect Storm. Everybody, anybody hear of this? Okay. Movie's about an actual storm that took place on Halloween in 1991. And so I want you to uh, just listen to the weatherman in the movie. So the, the movie kind of gave you a fictional story. It's actually a, a based on a true story, but it gave kind of a dramatic story or telling of what took place uh, with this one boat or crew of people. And I want you to hear the weatherman describe what's happening with the storm. Wow. Look at this. You got Hurricane Grace moving north off the Atlantic seaboard. Huge getting massive. Two, this low south of Sable Island, ready to explode. And look at this. Three, fresh cold front swooping down from Canada. But the darn thing's caught a ride on the jet stream and is motoring hell-bent towards the Atlantic. Cool. Wait, wait, what if... What if Hurricane Grace runs smack into it? Add to the scenario, this baby off Sable Island, scrounging for energy. So start feeding off both the Canadian cold front and Hurricane Grace. You could be a meteorologist all your life and never see something like this. It would be a disaster of epic proportions. It would be the perfect storm. All right, ominous as you head into this perfect storm, all right? These, these three converging systems, and this actually took place. In fact, there's footage of like the Weather Channel covering this epic storm that took place this one fall. Now, it's not often that you find yourself seeing history unfold, right? Most of life kind of just happens in, in little things, and things will come and go over a period of time. Very rare do you, you feel like you're seeing history unfold. Most of the things just kind of typically will come and go. Uh, for instance, the mixtape, all right, the mixtape. Uh, that was something that was a part of our lives. Now, if you are under the age of a, basically 25, you have no idea what this is, and, and you're all the better for it. But... Um, this was something that was a regular part of our lives for a season, and then it began to fade away, much like essentially any 80s hairdo, right? Any 80s hairdo. This was a thing. Again, if you're under the age of 25, this is what your parents looked like, and I'm sorry. In fact, you should be praying for them, all right? But as with many things in life, these things tend to fade away, right? They go, they come, and they go. It's rare, though, that you're in an hour or a moment where you see actually history happening. That's where we are at in this moment. And I use a clip from the movie The Perfect Storm because this is the moment that I feel like we are all standing in, where we're watching 
some kind of freakish storm roll in. And there are multiple fronts that are taking place where you have this bizarre uh, political strife that is at at levels that we've never seen before. Certainly there's always been back and forth across the aisle in our country, but it's at a fever pitch at this point and it's rolling in. And on top of that, there's this racial division and there's arguments over how to handle it and how to address it and how to talk through that. And so you've got massive social justice issues and then you throw into this thing a pandemic that has turned the entire world upside down trying to figure out how to handle this thing and you've got all these questions about rights and when who is the government to tell us what we can or can't do and all all kinds of industries are uh, being radically affected jobs maybe you might be in this room right now you might be watching online and you've been radically your your industry or your job has been radically affected and we're trying to go how is this all supposed to work and everyone's feeling this and on top of that the church itself is going through a massive shift right now, where uh, churches were for a long time kind of centered around, let's gather as many people as possible on Sunday to try to share the message. And no one's going to church. Well, I say no one. You guys are here and with me and I love it. And you guys online, it's awesome. But, but that, but there's right. But we're at a day where the showing up to church is not a given thing. And church leaders are asking big questions like, God, what really is in your heart for the church? What is the church supposed to be? And so you've got, if you will, all these major fronts moving at this hour uh, in our nation, over our world. It just so happens that simultaneously the Lord's been doing a a significant work just in, in this church family. So over this last year, we've been inviting church leaders in and asking big questions like, God, what do you really want to do here? What do you want to accomplish among this people group? What do you want to do in this family? And we've been wrestling for months and praying and asking and meeting and praying and asking and meeting literally while all the fabric of our nation is in an uproar and the fabric of the church is being questioned and all of these things, it's all happening at this moment. It is the perfect storm. We're seeing it happen right here. We are living history. We can see it right in front of our faces. And so the question is, what do you do when you find yourself in the middle of the perfect storm? What do you do? How do you respond? And of course, the, the great answer, which has been like the answer for all time, if you grew up in Sunday school, the answer to every question, Jesus. Jesus is the answer to this. What I mean by that is I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter four. Everybody needs to have a Bible in their hands. You guys online, make sure you've got the word of God in your hands. If you came and you didn't have a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you, should be near or close to you. I want you to grab a Bible, Mark chapter four. I want everyone to turn there because we're gonna begin to look at this text and see how Jesus responds to storms because what that's going to do is define for us as a people. As we begin to ask this question, Lord, what do you want to do in your global church? But, but, but secondarily, Lord, what do you want to do in this church? That even th- th- this series is going to be 
uh, over the next few weeks unpacking the culture that God wants to put into our church family. The very attitudes and ideas and thoughts that we're meant to carry as a people. And so we want to ask, well, what does Jesus do when you find yourself in a moment in history where everything has been turned upside down? And I want you to look at what Jesus does with the storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 so Jesus has just been ministering all day long. And then it says, verse 35, on that day when evening had come, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go across to the other side. So they're on the Galilee. It's a large lake uh, in the middle of Israel. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we're perishing now I want to just stop here because this is so clearly true of all of us in a moment where the storm is raging. When the storm is raging, the first temptation is to believe in some way that God is absent. This is what happens, that God is distant, that God is uncaring, that God is angry or that God isn't even real. When you see the storms raging, in fact, this question is being asked quite a bit as we've seen the perfect storm taking place in our own country. Where is God? What is he doing? And there's this sense of where are you? Do you not care? In fact, the disciples are the one voicing that surely you see what we're going through here. You seem to be not caring at all. You seem to be unfeeling about this. I actually give the disciples a little bit of credit because they're in this moment and they're at least willing to voice what's going on in their minds. Oftentimes what we'll do, and especially in a religious culture, we'll just bury it down deep. The disciples are going, do you not care about what's happening here in this moment? This is the, one of the first accusations we make against the Lord when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm, whether it's culturally a storm or whether we're experiencing a storm in our own lives. That's the question, God, where are you? Do you care? Do you care? Go back to verse 39. And he awoke, Jesus, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great, a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus in this moment asks these critical questions. Why are you afraid right now? And where is your faith? Now, there are two big time implications from this 
these, these questions that I just wanna unpack. And then we're gonna finish this morning in worship. Here are the questions. When Jesus says, one, where is your faith? Listen, he isn't chiding them, okay? When Jesus says, where is your faith? He's inviting these disciples into a new reality. This is what's happening. When Jesus asks questions, he's never looking for information. He always knows. When Jesus asks this question, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? He's calling them into a new reality. What's the new reality? When you are with Jesus, the storm never has power over you. This is the new reality that the Son of God wants the, his people to be able to see about what it means to be in life with him. That Jesus shows his might and his power by calming the wind and the waves with his voice. But he asked that question because he wants to call into them or call out of them a fresh and new understanding of what it means to be with God. Listen, he's not standing there saying, didn't you guys expect me to calm the wind and the waves with my voice? That's not what he's asking. No one had ever done that in the history of mankind apart from a supernatural work of Moses, uh, of God, uh, over the, the life of, or the nation of Israel. They'd never seen, they hadn't seen, not certainly in their lifetimes, had they ever seen anyone just call the wind and tell it what to do. So Jesus, when he asked these questions, he's not going, well, didn't you know that I was going to calm the storm with my voice? That's not what Jesus is saying. When he asks about the level and the nature of their faith, what he's saying is, listen, when, didn't, don't you know that when you're with me, no storm has power over you? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there won't be storms what it means is when you're in the thick of it, I'm with you and I will carry you through. This is what it means to walk with Jesus, that the storms will rage, the storms will come and go, but I will be with you. Therefore, you will not be afraid. Or another way to say it, the spirit of fear has to leave. The attitude of being scared is not going to be the thing that moves you. That I'm calling you into a new life where fear is not your motivator. Where you being afraid is what pushes you towards your, the decisions you make financially. Or you being afraid pushes you to the decisions you make relationally. That's not the call on our lives. Fear is not meant ever again to be our motivator. The motivator over our lives from now on is the presence of the Son of God. That is what is meant to move us and to shape us and to propel us. It's the fuel over our lives. You might be in this room right now and you do not believe God's presence is with you or on you or near you. And you feel like most of the time you walk fearful or shameful, or walk with shame, or walk feeling broken. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, beloved, that's not necessary anymore. That if you're going to have life with me, that you don't have to walk 
with fear crippling you and keeping you from a life of joy and power and peace. This is the call. That's what Jesus was showing his disciples the entire time that he was with them. My presence is your new normal. My presence is your new normal. My voice with you throughout the day is the new normal. And when you find yourself in the midst of the perfect storm converging upon you, whether it's personal or whether it's corporate or in your family or in your workplace or wherever it is, I'm with you. So you do not have to be afraid. You don't have to walk that way anymore. You understand forever, the people of God, God, God resided in a tent. He resided in a tabernacle. He resided in the temple. So when Jesus asked, where's your faith? He's saying, new paradigm. Now the presence of God is with you. Everywhere you go. In the supermarket, he's there. In your home, he's there. And he's ready to speak. He's ready to deliver wisdom, to bring life, to bring wholeness. That's what he does. Do not be afraid. But there is a... Now, there's a second reality that we have to come to an understanding of when Jesus asked these questions. Because when he asked them why they're afraid, he doesn't really mean, or or, I'm sorry, what he actually really means is, do you not think that my father was not already commanding the storm? This is the part that, This is the part where it should send a shiver down our spine. Before the winds and waves ceased. Do you think that the wind and the waves were performing their own will? Church, the answer is no. God is the king of the universe. And the wind and the waves obey his every command. For all time. They are subject to the directives of God. Before Jesus stood and declared with his mouth, peace be still. Meaning this, God is in the storm as well. We see it all throughout scripture. Job chapter 28. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder. Then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. Psalm 147. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs who can stand before his cold he sends out his word and he melts them he makes his wind blow and his waters flow or psalm 148 praise the lord from the earth you great sea creatures and all the deeps fire and hail and snow and mist stormy wind fulfilling his word Meaning this, the disciples were safe in the storm before the wind and the waves obeyed Jesus. 
because God's the sovereign king over it all. God's not taken aback by the storms in our lives. He's the king and the sovereign leader over it. He knows exactly how to lead us. And what he wants us to know is his presence is critical and vital to a life of peace and joy. He's the king over it all. That's how critical the presence of God is, that you can be in the storm, but God is sovereign over the storm. And to know his presence will lead us toward his perfect peace. And this is what Jesus accomplished on the cross, is it not? That we could always be led toward perfect peace no matter what. This is what it means to truly trust in the Lord. The perfect storm that's taking place in this hour over humanity and a pandemic or, listen, the political upheaval that we are experiencing here in this moment, can I be honest with you, it pales in comparison to nations across the earth. And I could begin to name nation after nation after nation where there are believers under incredible painful siege over unrighteous dictators and evil leaders. And, the God, and what the Lord wants us to know is you can be in one of those places and be fully and completely held. I'm the king over the storm and I'm the one who commands the wind and the waves. But will you trust me? That's the call on this moment. And the reason we can trust him here, this church, is because his presence is here. He's here right now. He's here in this room. He's here to meet with all of us, to show us who he is. Listen, governments of the earth will rise and fall. There will be chaos and upheaval, plagues and earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars, fake saviors and famines. Jesus actually told us all these things would take place in Matthew chapter 24. You can read it because that's fun homework, right? To read about the plagues, right? That are, that are potentially coming. That's what everybody was like, Pastor, what, what should we do? Read about the end of the earth, Matthew 24. It'll be good for your soul. <laughs> but the truth is those words were coming out of the mouth of Jesus and what he was trying to say is, listen, this is actually the kind of stuff that happens in a sinful, broken world. When mankind is left to themselves to do their own thing, guess what they do? They destroy it every time. And it can be a little bit unsettling when we find ourselves in a moment like that. And Jesus is waving his hand saying, my people don't have to be unsettled because I'm with them. I just, I walk with you. I love you. I'm for you. I want to speak to you. I want to give you a new name and a new identity. I want to call you forward. The world might be crumbling around you, but you will never because my presence is with you. This is what life is literally all about. It's one hour here and then eternity in his presence. Church, can we rise up for this one hour to be the voice of life that we were meant to be from the get-go? When Jesus left and sent his Holy Spirit, he was authorizing us to be carriers of his presence. That we'll be a people that host the presence of God. And we do it more today than we did yesterday. And we're praying and asking for God to do it more tomorrow than we, had it to, we have it today.
You understand? This is where we're headed. No longer being afraid to rise up in faith with the message of hope for the world. The, the church is the only messenger of real lasting hope in the world. I'm going to say that again because when I say the church, I don't mean this building as pretty as it is now. All right. The new white skin on it. Guess what? And cool, you know, gutters, right? We, 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 I mean, we, did, we got new gutters, right? So it's not leaking everywhere. Okay. It's great. And we're thankful for that. But when I say the church is the only messenger of real hope in the earth, when I say that, I mean you. I mean us. This is what the Lord is doing. This is our hour. This is what our church is supposed to be about. That we engage the mission of Jesus and his church to bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to make disciples of all nations, starting with Franklin, Tennessee and Williamson County and Murray and Middle Tennessee and asking God to move, to begin to ask God to build something in us that it's totally unshakable, something that is beyond what we could do on our own, but collectively as we host the presence of God, we begin to see a shift take place for us to stand as a people and say, Lord, we'll follow you in this storm because wherever you go, you bring your peace. Meaning that's, my, that's now our call to bring peace wherever we go. That's the call. And so before we jump in willy-nilly, before we jump into the fray, the question is this. Can there be a renewed vision? Can there be a renewed call to be a people who host the presence of God? Who call on him to be with us and to lead us? to listen to his voice and say, Lord, I don't want to take, I'm not taking a step anywhere without your presence. In fact, that's the attitude that Moses had as the promised land was being put right in front of their face. They're called, they're pulled out of bondage, given brand new hope and brand new vision. They're excited for the days ahead. In Exodus chapter 33, God says, listen, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, look what he says, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Come on, church. That's the moment. This is the hour to say, if you aren't going, don't call us there. If, you're, if your presence isn't moving forward, we don't wanna go, but we're not, we're not doing anything until we start asking for your presence. We're going to be a people that are marked by the presence of God because what else makes us distinct on the earth except for your presence? We're just like everyone else, broken and without hope except the presence of God and it changes who we are. It totally transforms who we are. 
That's the hour that we're in where the church gets to declare, this is where God, that's where you're going. This is where we're going. Over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack what it looks like to be the people of God as we host his presence. What are the distinctives that are going to be true of this house as we move forward? The kind of community that he's going to build between us as we link arms together to do this thing and to see God move. And so I'm going to ask our team to come up. We're going to finish in worship. Because here's the real core question. Keith, it sounds amazing. We want to host God's presence. But what does that actually mean? How do we actually do that? What does it look like to begin to host the presence of God? There's a couple of things that I want to give to you. One, we will be people of the word. We've, we must be people of the word. And I just want to say this. If you, know, if you had a New Year's resolution, you were going to read your Bible every day and it's already kind of fallen apart as most New, Year, New Year's resolutions do. It's just, it's time to pitch all of the kind of the legalistic stuff aside and say, I'm just going to start engaging the word of God. In fact, I love reading plans. I think reading plans are helpful. In fact, if you, when you leave here, there's a reading plan five days a week. So you get a couple of days of like reflection or, or just to catch up, um, to read through the entire new Testament in a year, just daily readings, five minutes a day, five days a week, just to begin to engaging the word of God. If you want to, you want to know where it's, how do we start hosting the presence of God? We just start diving into his word and letting it wash over us. Now, listen to me. This is really important. The driest Bible reading will lead you to the freshest life. Okay? Hear this. The driest Bible reading will lead you to the freshest life. Okay? The freshest fare that the world has to offer will lead you to dry and dryness and death. There's tastier things, all right? Because the temptation is to Look at Instagram and see what next politician is insane, okay? Right? Or you could put that down. It's tasty, but it leads to death. You could put it down, pick up the word of God, and the driest reading of it will bring life to your soul. I promise you that, even if we don't feel it in the moment. We're gonna be a people of God's words. Secondly, how are we gonna become a people who host the presence of God? Today, you haven't missed it. You guys are with us online. And if you happen to be watching online a day later, you haven't missed it either. Today is the day where we start 21 days of prayer together and fasting and asking the Lord to move. Why prayer and fasting? I'm gonna tell you, there's one reason for prayer. Prayer aligns us with the will and purposes of God. You can pray about all the things you wanna pray about. I can promise you this. When you pray in earnest, you get aligned with the plans of God. So we're gonna to pray together. As Lindsay said, every day we're gonna send out a, a fresh prayer for you to pray. If you're like, I don't know what to pray, we're gonna send one out to you. We're gonna be fasting. Why fast? Jesus tells us why to fast. We fast because we just want Jesus to know we want more of him. That's, it's that simple. In fact, they were asking, the, the disciples, they, they asked Jesus' disciples, what, why do you guys not fast? And Jesus goes, well, why would they fast? I'm here. But I'm gonna leave soon and then they'll fast. So essentially what he's saying is they're gonna, they're gonna show what it means to hunger for my presence. 
And so I, I wanna call you and I wanna encourage you to decide if you, if you hadn't made a decision yet. Listen, and if, listen, if you've got dietary stuff or there's, you've got health things that would keep you from, from fasting from food or types of food, you, you don't have to worry. There's plenty of things to fast from in this life. Okay, there's TV and media and, and all kinds of stuff. There's some things that you sink your life into. You can say, hey, for 21 days, I'm saying, I don't wanna hunger for that. I wanna hunger for the presence of God. That's the point. So whatever type of fasting is meaningful or helpful, just step into it. Doesn't have to be legalistic. Don't have to be crazy. Just say, Lord, I'm inclining my ear. Where do you wanna lead me? But I want your presence more. So let's partner. Starting today, well, let's partner with it. And then I'll, I want to let you know about this. This is our the final piece, and then we'll just we're gonna finish with worship. <clears throat> but starting on the first Thursday of every month, we're gonna to come together to pray and just say, Lord, would you connect us together? Would you bind us together? We want to pray for your presence, we want to pray for each other. So we'll come together at 545. We'll have a meal for you, and we'll give you more details. But we're going to eat together and then we're going to come in this room and we're just going to pray and say, God, come make yourself known. Would you come in here? We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray for the nations. We're going to pray for God's move. But we're going to be built up and we're going to pray together one time a month and just saying, Lord, do and have your way with us. Let that be a mark on us. First Thursday of every month. You'll know what day are we doing? It's the first Thursday. Every month. All right, we'll get you more details about that. All right, now listen, final thing, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna begin to pray over us. In the chair back in front of you is an empty or blank note card. I want you to grab that note card and a pen. You guys that are joining us at home, grab a scrap of paper, something simple to write on, pen or pencil, whatever, crayon, whatever you got in front of you. All right, everybody grab. Now here's what we're, do, we're just simply gonna do. Lord, I'm just going to ask the Lord in this moment. Can't, we're going to talk about God's presence. But let's ask for his presence. What I mean by that is this. There's two prayers I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord for. Lord, on one side of this, you can write up in the corner, me, and just say, Lord, what do you want to begin to build in me over this next 21 days? What are you going to start to build? And just begin to ask him, Lord, what, what is it you want to start to establish in my heart? Maybe, maybe it's a place of healing. Maybe there's some restoration that God wants to do. Maybe you've got some fears about the days ahead. Maybe there's something physical you're asking God to heal. But just say, Lord, this, over this next 21 days, I just want to, I, I want to contend. I want to be partnering with what you're doing. And so I just want you to begin to write a prayer. Just say, Lord, because what we're going to do, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to turn these in. You don't have to, hey, don't put your name on there if you don't want to. If you want to put your name on there, great. Our, our leadership, our elders are going to take all these cards. We're going to pray these with you. So we're going to partner with you and say, how can we come alongside you? So in just a moment, we'll give you a chance to, to drop those as an act of worship to the Lord. So what are you asking the Lord to do in you? And then after that, you're going to flip it on the other side and just right up in the corner, church. And just say, what's your prayer for the church? What are you asking God to birth in this church over the next 21 days? What are you asking him to build? What are you asking him to construct? What are you asking him to move on us as a family, as a community of people, linked in arms together? So I'm just gonna give you a few minutes and I'll have our team sing over you and just ask for his presence. You've got a little bit of time, so you don't have to rush. Your prayers for what you're asking God to build in you over this next 21 days. And then on the other side, your prayers for what you're asking God to build in our church family, all right? Let's worship as you 
listen to his voice.